You're listening to The Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z. And on today's episode, I'm so excited to have this guy on the show. This man has been playing in the Hudson Valley for over 30 years. He's a great drummer. He's a really nice guy and a very good friend. I'm talking about Mr. Matt Donahue. Matt, welcome to The Rick Z Show. Thanks for having me, Rick. Oh, thanks for being here. It's great to see you. You too, man. We go back a long time. We do, Rick. Well, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, let's just get started. Let's talk about the bands you've been in, because out of any musician I know, I think you've been in more bands than like anyone I can think of. <laughs> I'm just going to name some off the top of my head. Sandy and the Way Outs, Whitewater. We were in Little Giant together. That was great. Actually, you were in the Rick Z band for, I think, one gig, right? Me, you, possibly. You, I think well, you, yeah. You filled in for uh, Dan D'Elia. Subbed in for Danny. Where did we play? Do you remember? No, I actually have no idea. It's down in the city somewhere. Okay. Was it CBs? Did we play CBGBs together? Possibly. Okay, it was so long ago. <laughs> it, it's hard to say. But name some of the other bands. Were you in Axton Cross? Yeah, well, so the funny thing is you just mentioned Sandy and the Way Outs, and yeah. I was trying to think to myself, you know, what bands I have been in. And yeah, Axton Cross was like in my late teens, early 20s, and kind of crazy. The amount of bands that have been in over the past 30 years between cover and original bands is probably... Probably about, I would say, between 25 and 30 bands. I would think so. And this is to say nothing of the people that you've sat in and jammed with and played right. with and done a pickup gig here and there. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Good, good point. You know, we could talk about that. I mean, I think I've just been a drummer my whole life and, I, you know, I was always into music. And I would always try to put bands together and, and you know how that goes. You you get guys together and, and it falls apart and you get them back together and it falls apart. And then over time, you start playing with different situations and different people. And some of them stick and some of them stay around for a long period of time. Others kind of come and go or, you know, uh, in and out. But um yeah, I mean, I've been lucky to play with a lot of great musicians. So if you looked at it from the perspective of I've been able to play with a lot of other people. Yeah, and you know what's funny about this show, Matt, is I get to talk to friends of mine I've known for a long time, great musicians and things like that, but I don't always know their history. Like, for example, I don't know much about what drew you to the drums as a kid or how you learned to play the drums. Did you have a teacher? Can you tell us a little about that? Yeah, so when I was really young, I had the milk box in front of the house. I, I was out there with a pair of sticks, probably about seven or eight years old, just playing away. Then you get the first snare drum, then you get the hi-hat. It's a big deal. You're in middle school. Then all of a sudden you're taking a private lesson with, you know, with, with a local teacher. That's a big deal. And, and as time goes on, everything progresses. So I was just always driven to drums. I just love drums for whatever reason. I have no idea. But that was always important to me. When I listen to music, the drummer would always be somebody. I would be like, holy shit, how great is that? Mm -hmm. You know, that is so cool. And then I had private teaching. I took lessons when I was probably middle school through high school. Who was your teacher? I studied uh, mainly in, from two guys then, Charlie Morano for many, many years, who's a famous local drummer, uh, drum teacher. He passed away a number of years ago. He was in Poughkeepsie. <clears throat> and another guy named Don Wachos out of Wappinger. I studied with both those guys for many, many years. They, they were more jazz drummers, you know. Um, and then I went on after that when I was in um, college. After college, I studied with Peter O'Brien for about 10 years. And Great drummer. So Peter, and he's a great friend. Peter and I have been tight. We talked the other day, actually. And I studied with Peter for about 10 years. And, you know, just being around a lot of great drummers, but also studying with them and learning different things that, that they have to offer or bring to the table it's to me, it's just a way to become better at, at the craft. And then the better you are, the more opportunities you have. Do you remember your first kit? Sure do. 
It was a Yamaha drum set when Yamaha wasn't a big name back then. And uh, it was one of those, um, you know, my mom's sister's son, my cousin down in Jersey had a Yamaha drum set. And I was probably in seventh or eighth grade and they shipped, my mom came home one day and they said, check the car. And there was a four piece Yamaha drum set in there. And I probably took it out, set it up in the garage and, and didn't stop playing. And the rest is history. And the rest is history. <laughs> when we played together in Little Giant, you had just gotten, or you, you were about to get your Mapex kit. And I had never heard of Mapex drums before. And you used those drums for a long time. I, I think that was largely part of the Little Giant sound at the time. Whatever happened to that kit, do you still play it? And wh why were you drawn to them? I had never heard of them before. So with, with the drums, I went from the Yamaha kit to uh, one of my teacher's um, wanted the Yamaha kit and he had this killer set of Imperial Star Tamas mm. with a 20, um, 24 inch bass drum and big toms. That's what I was playing on for a long time. The, the Tama Imperial Star is pretty much Liberty DeVito's kit. Yeah. You know, the, the concert toms. Yeah. And then uh, I was in Whitewater. I was playing with those. And then I remember and I was doing the Little Giant with you guys, too. And then I got the set of um, Mapex at Rainbow Music. And funny enough, Billy Cobham was endorsing Mapex at the time. It was oh. kind of a, yeah, I got the Birch and I played them forever. And then from that point on, I went on to um, to get Yamaha recording series. And I've got about three or four full drum sets of Yamaha recording series, Birch and Maple. It was like a progression kind of deal. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked about how many bands you played in. You've been in a band for a really long time now called Is. You're still in the band. Yeah. How, how long have you guys been together? Uh, well, Mike and Pete have probably been together 15 to 20 years. I've been with them over 10. It's still longer than you played with anyone probably, right? Um, yeah, I guess consistently. Yeah, that's probably true. Tell me a little bit about Is. They're a really interesting band. I re those two guys are very talented. I've seen you guys play many times. How did you hook up with these guys, and what's Is all about? I've always been like one of those guys that when you're when you're playing gigs and you, when you're playing with musicians and bands, you come to realize that cover gigs are great, but at the end of the day, original music is really what it's all about. That you know, it's the creativity behind it. And cover bands, you, you only get so much room to be creative and, and do your own right, thing. You're imitating other people's parts. Yeah, exactly. And that's awesome. And you get to play with a lot of great musicians and, and you play a lot of great gigs and you get paid decently, but it's still you're losing and lacking on the creativity side. So I remember consciously looking around for some good local original bands to try to jump in with and I didn't find much. And then I remember coming across an ad, I think it was on Craigslist, about original band looking for drummer and I reached out and I'm talking to this guy and the guy was actually the drummer of the band and he was here in the northeast and I think uh, Kingston and he said yeah listen I'm, I'm in this really good band and I'm moving back to California and I'm trying to help my band find a new drummer and I was like no shit he said we're playing over in New Pulse why don't you um, try to come and see us and and if you're into it you know let me know I could try to do an audition so I said, sure. So I actually it was a snowy night and, you know, in the middle of December. And I said to Diane, my wife, I was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to make it over there. It's, you know, it's like snowing out and all that. She goes, you know, Matt, you can't just say you want to play in an original band and then all of a sudden, like, you know, not go check them out. And I said, you know what? You're right. So I made the drive and went over, checked them out. And actually, I was kind of blown away by, by Mike and Peter, the bass player and the keyboard player. Talented guys. Very. You're all making a new album right now. I have your first album. I really like it. I'd like to play something off it. Can we hear something off the first sure. album? Sure. Let's play the song Us. Can we do that? Us by is. <laughs> That's weird. 
All right, check this out. This is Is on drums, Mr. Matt Donahue. Thank you. 
you know, playing music is not the only interesting thing that you do, musically speaking, in the area. You also book bands, really big bands, for Red Hook's annual festival, Hard Scrabble Day. Yep. How did you get involved doing that? And then, of course, I'm going to ask you, are we going to have Hard Scrabble Day this year? We're in, This is 2021. It's Cinco de Mayo. Nobody got to play anything for about a year. I know you hold the festival, what, at the end of September? Oh. Yeah, it was a community day, basically. And the story on it is simple. Hard Scrabble Day has always existed. It's been around. It's a community day. Um, they had some local entertainment. And uh, I got a call one time from Slam Allen to play the gig, and it's in my own hometown. So I was playing drums with Slam, and uh, and it went really well. And, and the guys, uh, Mark Molinaro and Ed Blundell, the, the trustee at the time, and, and some of the politicians asked if I could help maybe for the following year help them get a band. And I said, sure, because I guess they hired a promoter out of Albany area to get Slam. And meanwhile, I'm, I'm living right in the village and playing drums with the band. So the next year came around and I was studying with Pete O'Brien, like, you know, I've been for years and him and I were talking. I said, hey, you know, would, would Orleans be interested in doing uh, this community day, Hard Scrabble? And he goes, I don't know. He's like, you know, John Hall is uh, running for office and, um, you know, he'd probably be the guy to reach out to because Peter O'Brien it was a drummer in Orleans and the John Hall band. So he gave me John's number. I called John. We spoke for, for a little bit and John said, I don't know. Um, maybe why don't you try Larry Hoppin? Uh, Larry's down in Florida. So I called Larry and um, spoke to Larry. I said, Larry, listen, community day up here in Red Hook. You know, I've never done this before. I'm a musician. I'm good friends with Pete O'Brien. Would you guys be interested in, in playing? Like, you know, could I put something together and make you an offer and you guys come up and play the gig and do a free concert and I'll raise the money um, somehow? And we got talking and he's like, you know what, man? He goes, this is the first year Opus 40 is not having us back. He goes, I'm kind of not overly excited about not being able to play. So he goes, of course, I'm going to let's do that. I will put the band together, send me something to sign. Uh, we cut the deal on the money side. And next thing you know, we had Orleans playing a free concert right in the middle of the village of Reddock. It was amazing. I remember that show very well. And you've done how many since then? 15, 16 shows? I did. Okay. So I've done 15. Now the, the, the interesting timing on, on me being on your show is you don't know this yet, but Hard Scowl Day community music concerts are pretty much done um, as of... Oh. Yeah, but now there's good out of this, too. This coming Saturday, we're doing a, a celebration for Mayor Ed Blundell. Ed and his wife, Marilise, are moving to the Boston area to be with their kids. And when I got involved in Hard Scrabble Day, it's pretty much Ed and I were, um, you know, the ones to do it. And Ed was the trustee at the time, became mayor. So it would be very challenging for us to try to pull it off without Ed's involvement, to be honest with you. Hmm. Um, he's kind of my partner in crime on it. We've, we've done it together for many, many years. So this Saturday, we're doing a celebration, and I put the ba a band together with Morale Coriel, myself, Slam Allen, and Eric Winters playing bass, and we have some other people, uh, special guests, going to pop in and, and, and sit in. But so as much as I've been doing it for 15 years, with Ed, it's okay because there's a lot of other things going on, a lot of other musical opportunities. I got to tell you though, Hard Scrabble wasn't something that I thought was going to like be like a continuous thing. Yeah. And one year led to another. Do you want me to name the artists? I'd love to hear some of the artists that you had. Yeah. And every artist in every situation has a story. We're not going to go there, but I'll tell you all the artists. And it's pretty cool. So basically, the Hard Scrabble thought process that I had was. Why don't we get a great band, have them perform during the community day, 
and make it free, free for anybody who wants to come and hang out. And then on top of that, not only have like a, a bigger name national act, have lots of like local and regional bands and artists and kind of create a scene and create a vibe. It all worked out pretty well. So the second year I had, um, I got Southside Johnny and the Asbury Dukes come up mm-hmm. and play. I had Dave Mason. I had Leon Russell. I had... Average white band. I had uh, Average white band. I had Robert Randolph and the Family Band. Yep. Oh my gosh. I had the Greg Raleigh Band. Jackie Green. The Tubes. I had Fee Wable and the freaking Tubes. <laughs> I had the Wait Band. I had John Wait, Patty Smythe and Scandal. Colonel Bruce Hampton. I had yeah, yeah. Jimmy Weeder and Project Percolator. And there's a number The Funky of, Meters. I had the Funky Meters. And I also got the New Orleans Suspects to play with them. And the New Orleans Suspects had Willie Mean Green, the drummer for the Neville Brothers in the band. So I had basically some of the greatest musicians in New Orleans all playing together on a Saturday afternoon in freaking Little Old Red Hook. In little Old Red Hook. <laughs> Anytime I've either been on the bill or just came to watch the show was just a blast. You guys did a great job with that. You know, when you do something like this, you have to raise a lot of money to pull it off. And you also have to have some kind of connections internally, you know, and Ed's overseeing the village. So it's hard to pull something like this off, especially in a municipality, right? And then make it free, basically a big, big rock concert right in the middle of a small village or town. But Ed and me were able to make it work every year. So as sad as it is that it's pretty much going to be over... It's been a great run, 15 years in a row. I mean, I think Gary with Mountain Jam went went about 14, 15 years. So great things do have to come to an end eventually. I I guess so. I mean, it's a shame. We all had a blast. We're going to miss it. We'll miss those concerts for sure. Well, thank you. Matt, let's talk about how we met. Let me give you my memories on this. I was playing at this IBM bar in Poughkeepsie called The Treasure Chest. This is 1990, I believe. And your wife, Diane, who is a good friend of mine, I graduated with her in Red Hook. Her family and my family have been such close friends since we were little kids. She's like family to me. Your wife, so in a way, you know, it's like we're married, Matt. I don't know if you ever thought of that. But no, not, not until now. Yeah. For the next six months, no eye contact. That's, that's all I ask. Exactly. Um, and she brought you in to see a set of mine. Yeah. And really, we've been friends ever since. Just as you were leaving that night, you said to me, hey, we should get together and have a little jam. And I think a few, and everybody says that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but then a few months later, you called me, and you had a couple of high school friends, uh, Ed Ryan and uh, Kevin McIntyre, and Kevin McIntyre, and we got together in High Park in your parents' garage, and we basically became a garage band, which everybody was doing that at the time, and we played all over the place, uh, everywhere in New York State. You could play. We played. We played, of course, here in the Hudson Valley a lot. Here in Rhinebeck a lot. You you were kind of con- at that time you were considered the mayor of Rhinebeck. I, I guess I, that was kind of a nickname yeah. that you had acquired because you knew everybody and everybody knew you. What were your memories of that time? Uh, my memories of that time were basically exactly what you said. We met at the uh, treasure chest. I uh, kind of dug what you were doing. You, me, and Ed, uh, or you, Ed, and I got together in my parents' garage, and we started a band, and we would practice a lot, and mm-hmm. which was great. Um, and then uh, we did that, and we played a lot of gigs, you know, all around. Um, and I think creatively, uh, you had a lot going on from a singer-songwriting standpoint of view. So for Ed and I, it was kind of a cool thing to just kind of, you know, lay in and be, become the rhythm section on it. 
Um, but it was a lot of fun. I mean, I, I look back and then we had Carl join the band because Carl and you were friends. And, and the funny, I knew Carl because of other bands through Maris and stuff like that. So next thing you know, the four of us are playing. Then we're at DST doing a live sessions with, with Nick Hardcourt. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it was a lot of fun. We had, we had some great times and we, we all became really good friends. And, yeah. you know, yeah, it was very cool. I, I don't want to waste too much time talking about Little Giant only because we had the Little Giant podcast on this show a couple of years ago. But I will say I was in the Rick Z band at the time too. And I was writing so much at that time and plenty of stuff that the other guys didn't want to play. It wasn't applicable to that <laughs> band for some reason. So I needed two bands just to get all this material out. A material, B material? Yeah, well, no, no, not at all. Well, I'll tell you what. Once we started playing the, as you say, B material, it became the A material. And the Rick Z band wanted to start playing that stuff. Oh, that's funny. They, they're like, why don't we get to play that song? I said, because the first time I ran it by you, you didn't like oh, it. Oh, that's great. Now that you hear what it could be, now you want to play it. There so, you go. And a lot of the songs that we put on our And Now the Weather album was out in 94. Yeah. They were really little giant tunes, essentially. So uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. All good. All good. It was a good band. I at least stole from myself. I mean, it's, it's, it's a strange situation. I, I'm kind of feeling like hearing another Is song at this juncture. Can we do that? Sure. I have a riddle. It's uh, kind of a cool tune. It's uh, Mike wrote it and sings it. And uh, check it out. The former mayor of Rhinebeck and Is. Let her roll.
things we're so fortunate to have in this area is tons of great musicians drummers there's so many drummers around here and we're talking mostly session players that are the true find in this area are these incredible session players that play with every big name you could think of they play all over the world uh, if you're lucky you'll see them play together in a band you know somewhere in the area um, you know uncle funk and lunch meat and all these bands of session guys what are some of your favorite drummers locally? And then tell us some of the you know worldwide players that you love. You know, locally, I mean, there's a lot of great players. I mean, and that's the cool thing about the Hudson Valley. There's, uh, there's a lot of great musicianship. 
you know, guys like Pete O'Brien, Randy Chalante, Gary Burke. I don't know Gary that well, but he's a great player. I was lucky enough to see and hang with a lot of guys. Now, you didn't mention the Parmesan uh, and Rhinebeck, but that was a music venue that I got I got asked and hired to do, paid to actually book bands. And it was an amazing experience because they used to have all these great players come in. And, you know, whether it's the, the Woodstock guys or it's the, um, you know, Millbrook guys mm-hmm. or there's just so many great, great drummers. Jerry Murata. So Jerry Murata. I mean, you know, T. Hickus. T. Hickus, uh, yeah. T. Hickus. Chris Nikus from Perfect Thyroid, Big Shoe. There's just... There's so much talent. I remember seeing like Uncle Funk and guys even with Dave Beebe back then, right? I mean, I know, you know, different players would sit in and play with them. And it Tony would, Levin. Yeah, I, and if you're talking about non-drummers, I mean, you know, like you would go see these incarnations that Joey Beesmer and Howie Brown would put together of phenomenal world-class musicians. I told you the story the other night of seeing Uncle Funk. And then the next day I realized that that was actually Peter Gabriel's band with Joey Beesmer. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of Joey Beesmer, he passed away fairly recently. We lost a great musician, a true Hudson Valley musician, too, who's been playing around, you know, for forever. Yeah, Joey Joey was good people. You know, the cool thing was, too, when back in the day when I was doing that, I'd call these guys and say, hey, listen, I got a gig. Can you guys play? And I'd have, I'd have Joey Beesmer. I'd have Jimmy Eppert. I'd have Rob Leon. Played, you know, a bunch of gigs with Rob. And, and I mean, as a young drummer, right, you know, playing with these heavy players, you know, it was just an incredible experience. And then, then to learn and 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 to get to know some of the killer drummers, you know, around it, it it's been very cool. And good. Okay, I was just going to ask what some of your you know national drummers, some of your favorite drummers of all time are. Yeah, so I'm the I'm I'm the guy like who's into everybody. I've always been that way. Yeah. Um, different genres, but if you, I'm a huge Genesis fan. I'm a huge Yes fan. But guys like all the, the, you know, Carlos Vegas, the Jeff Picaros, the Steve Gads, just I'm a, a big into the Cajun stuff. You know, all, all, all the Neville Brothers kind of, um, you know, uh, second line stuff. Um, you know, Willie Green. Uh, it's just I mean, Ian Mosley. I'm a huge Ian Mosley fan. And I don't know if anybody even knows who Ian Mosley is, but he's the drummer of Marillion. And, yeah. and, and Zebra, I mean, you know, it's just... My musical palette is like it, it's it's across the board. Liberty yeah. DeVito. Liberty DeVito. You know, you get guys that are that are in monster like progressive types of bands, and then you get the other guys that are playing with singer songwriters and serving the material more on a consistent basis. Guys like Richie Haywood, Little Feet. I'm a huge fan. Right. It's just all you know. Peter Gabriel with Jerry Marotta and Manu Kachse and Stuart Copeland. I mean, there's just just so many freaking great drummers around. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Franco from the Good Rats. I'm a huge fan. I don't know if anybody knows who the Good Rats are. They're a Long Long Island based band. Joe Franco was just a phenomenal drummer. There's just there, there's so many great players around, whether it's locally or nationally. It's it it's amazing. Let me ask you something else. Uh, just switching tracks here. You play so much. You've always played a lot. But you have a family. You got a wife. You got three kids. How do you balance playing all over the place, up in Plattsburgh and all these places you play, and having a family? How does that work? How did you work that out? You just keep it real. That that's it. I mean, music's music's important, um, but you know, obviously, music is also just part of life, right? So, uh, you know, when you realize you have three kids at home and and a wife, you you got to kind of balance. You know, mm-hmm. you just have a balance. Is is this what Diane would say as well? <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know, but it's funny because I've had many musicians go like, dude, like, how do you have, like, how are you happily married and you have three kids and you're playing a lot, you know, all, and I'm just, you know, that's, to me, that's more of the, the people side of things. Like, you know, just being a normal everyday person, having a balance. And, you know, um, I have a lot of friends that are full-time players, man. I got to tell you, some of that is hard because they go on the road for three months, you know, and physically they're not around. So, you know, it's, it's tough being a musician. Yeah. You know, we've worked in the studio, made some recordings together, certainly when we were with Little Giant. But I think I, I may have hired you once or twice for this or that. That or this? That or this. Uh, it's been a while. I don't know how much studio work you've done. How, how much studio work have you done? I haven't done that much, to be honest with you. Um, you know, it's one of those things that I think I'm a good drummer. I'm a good player. I've always been into the music. But it's it's not one of those things where it's like, you know, uh, I, you know the phone would ring and I'd go in and, and, and do a studio session. Um, you know, I've played tons of live gigs, probably more live gigs than, than I ever thought I would. Um, and then the studio stuff is primarily with the bands that I played with. But I also think, you know, just from knowing friends that do that for a living, there's not much of that left. Like it's dried up in the past 15, 15 years at least. Like so those sessions that were happening at Millbrook Sound or up at Dreamland and things like that, they just don't exist anymore. People don't, you know, hire guns to, to come in and just lay down tracks like they used to. I think post-COVID, things are going to change a little bit. I noticed Paul Antonell at the clubhouse has started gaining a lot more work than prior to COVID because cool. people have been home writing. You know, they have nothing point. to do but sit around with their piano or their guitar and, and write songs, and now they want to record them. So I, I hope that's changing because we have such a wealth of uh, musicians and, and great world-class studios in the area it would be a shame to lose that aspect you told me about your podcast like probably a few years ago and then when it took me a while to actually start listening to it i was really i gotta say i was very impressed because i've known you for a long time and we're we're in that musical you know world together but listening to what you do with the different people your guests the musicians and they're kind of all over the place i think it's really really cool because it's different it's something that I'm in the marketing, uh, music, advertising world of, of commercial, and that's gotten to the point of ridiculousness where it's, it's all about the money. And then I hear something that's really fresh and real, and you know the reason why you do this podcast with all these great local regional musicians and national guys is because you love music. Like That's, that's the whole basis of it. So I just want to let you know that I think it's a very special thing that you do this. Oh, man, I really appreciate that. Thank you. And I, I, it's thrilling to me to do this show and to learn stuff myself. I mean, I've been living and playing in the Hudson Valley. Well, I've been playing for over 30 years, you know, 32, 33 years or so. And I'm still learning new stuff and new musicians and getting inside their heads and asking questions yeah. about what inspires them. I absolutely love it. And also... I think a spotlight needs to be shown on the Hudson Valley music scene. It's ironic and unusual scene, but it's chock full of incredible musicians mm -hmm. and incredible artists. You know, everybody knows the Seattle scene and the Atlanta scene and L.A. and all this stuff. But I'll tell you what, this is an untapped musical market. One day it may be discovered, who knows, but... I'm proud to actually have a show that spotlights Hudson Valley music. It's a great thing. And, you know, it's funny. Um, the, the one challenge I see for musicians, and it's been this way for a while, 
is um, the opportunities for good gigs, right, to play. Um, and I think especially for original bands and original musicians that I wish, and if you're saying that things are changing because of COVID and the pandemic, that maybe studios will get busier, more singer-songwriters are, are, are coming out in bands. Well, that'd be great to see more venues open themselves up to actually paying local artists you know, money to come in and perform and, and do their craft. Well, that's the irony of this area, is that, I felt, has always been lacking. It's mm-hmm. always been tough to make money as a musician in the Agreed. Hudson Valley. Yet the studio scene and the amount of incredible musicians in this area are just through the roof. So that's the irony. And, and I think that's what's cool about this show, too, is you wouldn't know that all this stuff is going on. Right. Your average person wouldn't know, especially if they were outside of the Hudson Valley. One thing I always admired about you as a musician is you have always practiced a lot. Do you still practice a lot? And what's your process of practicing? Practicing used to be a big part of my life. It's it's a lesser part. I wish it was as much of a part, but when you're involved in many things and you're working and you have three sons and, and you know you got a lot going on, it's hard to find that time and also the space as a drummer just to sit down for two hours and shed. But what I've been doing recently is I've been trying to get in and at least practice a half an hour a day if I can. Sometimes that turns into two hours. Sometimes it's 45 minutes. But to try to keep it consistent. Um, I've always been a big fan of learning. Like to me, it's like to sit there and watch Peter O'Brien like teach me something like it, it blows my mind because there's so much as a musician, as a drummer that you can do to enhance music. And then you look, you know, you can learn all different styles, all different approaches. I mean, there's so many different, different genres of music, you know, whether jazz, fusion, funk, swing, blues, R&B, rock. I mean, there's so many different things that you can learn. I've always just enjoyed taking lessons and learning and practicing and becoming a better player. What about rudiments and things like that? Uh, do, you, do you practice so, rudiments? So rudimental stuff, I mean, it's funny, like the, the, the 26 drum rudiments, the coolest thing with that stuff is you could take that and apply it to the kit. And, you know, Steve Gadd, like that is that is where Steve Gadd comes from. It's He is a, 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 a rudimental marching drummer that takes it to a different level. And when you watch him play the Rademacues and, and Flamadiddles and, you know, uh, double paradiddles and all that, he's breaking those things. So all these great Steve Gadd licks that you've been hearing your entire life are all based on the 26 rudiments. Hmm. Yeah, and he was, he was a marching drummer in a marching band at Fort Meade when he was in his early 20s before he became a, you know, the, the Steve Gadd that we all know. But that was his foundation, and that's where it's taking 26 rudiments, which is really just sticking, right? It's just how to stick something, and all of a sudden applying it to, to five drums and cymbals, you're coming out with a whole different thing. I was always taught this. There's only two strokes in drumming. It's a single stroke and a double stroke. And everything else is just a combination of those two stickings. That's very insightful. I never knew that. You asked me about some of my favorite drummers. Carter Buford is probably, him and Phil Collins are probably two of the favorite drummers I've ever had. I know you really like those two guys. I named my son Carter after Carter Buford. Is that right? That's right. I didn't know that. There you go. That's amazing. Every drummer that we've had on the show... I've always asked them about the physicality of drumming as you age because it's such a physically demanding job playing the drums, but then you also have to carry around tons of equipment, big heavy cymbal bags and all all this kind of stuff. As you get older, does this get harder to do? Drumming is a piece of cake. When you join the band called Is and you realize that the keyboard player's got four keyboards, he's got a, a Rhodes piano, 
He's got all the kinds of amps. So when I joined is about over 10 years ago, I would show up, I would set my stuff up, and then I'd realize like, wow, the keyboard player's got another like 45 minutes to set up. And then at the end of the gig, when I'm all already in the car, I'm looking over at him and I'm like, he has barely broken down or anything and he's working at it. So um, drums actually became a really easy thing. But but when you're in a band, that means you got to hang out and help the other other members break down their shit <laughs> and help them load out. So, you know, it's uh, it's funny. I mean, drums to me, I mean, you know, you, you, after a while, you've done it a million times. The smartest thing I ever did was set up multiple drum sets. So you have you have practice sets at home. You know, I got one at a studio that we, we you know, we rehearse at and then I got road kits. So so it makes it easy. Like you don't have to reset up your drums every every single time you want to sit down and play yeah that makes sense i got one last question before we got to start wrapping it up i was talking to stevie d another area drummer great area drummer this morning we were talking he says hello by the way and he said don't forget to ask matt about his ufo experience (laughs) i said ufo i i don't i don't know anything about matt and any ufo experiences although we had joey eppert on the show not too long ago and he, he talked about it stevie d has had his own experiences do you know what I'm talking about? No, absolutely. Oh. <laughs> Steve Giovanni, I love you, man, but I have a UFO, huh? That's what? Maybe it was some night me and Steve were hanging. I have no idea. I, uh, I, I'll tell you, the, 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 a lot of people don't know this, but the Hudson Valley is one of the big hotspots on the planet for UFO sightings. Ulster County was like number three on the list several years ago in Pine Bush, New York, which is near Newburgh. And Who's in the band UFO? I'm trying to remember. Do you remember who was in oh, the band? Oh, the band UFO? Yeah, remember the band? Yeah, it was a rock band. Uh, Michael Shanker? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Guys from Rainbow or something like that, right? Uh, I'm not sure how this came up, but we're going to put an abrupt end to it right now. <laughs> we're going to get out of here by doing something I'm really excited about is is making a new album. The songs that we heard today are from a, your first album. But you got the second album coming out, and you and the guys were so nice to let us actually, you know, hear a little advanced version. I don't maybe unmixed even of something off the new album. Yeah, so it's called. We got about ten songs, and they're all pretty much recorded. We're mixing them now, and we're actually having two uh, mastered this week. The system. Uh, Peter wrote this song. It's a great song. You know, the beauty of being in is is Mike and Pete both write. They both sing. They both are, are, are masters at their craft, their instruments, bass, and and keyboards. And um, so I'm lucky to be in a band with guys like that. Is the system on drums the legendary Matt Donahue?
that's just great when the album comes out i want you and pete and mike to come back and let's do a whole show on is okay Uh, love to rick love to that'd be a blast matt it has been just a pleasure sitting here reminiscing and talking about things i I didn't even know about you after 30 years of of knowing you and playing with you that's why i do the show i like to learn about the musicians that i work with and the the ones i don't work with Thanks so much for coming by. Oh, Rick, it's always always a blast. And hopefully we'll do another Little Giant gig again soon. (laughs) Josie, can you install crickets? Is there any way to install crickets? All right, because we're going to do that. You, can, you called me, you asked me, can we be the house band at the, uh, what's the name of the uh, marina? Oh, the Rogers Point. That's right. Yeah, you know, I'm like, well, I don't know if I want to be the house band at the Rogers Point. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I would love to do a Little Giant show sometime. That's something we never really got around we gotta get, to doing. we got to ask Carl to sit in with us too, a little we bit. we got to get Carl. Oh, that would be a blast. That would be absolutely great. That would be hysterical. Love you, Matt. You love too, Diane and the kids. Please give everybody a hug for me. It's so great to see you. Oh, man. Thanks, Matt. You're Thanks welcome. again. You're listening to The Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z, produced and engineered every week by Josie Grant. Love that part. Better looking than Rusty. Just look down and press subscribe. We need followers. Be followers, people. Don't be leaders. Be followers. And here's another idea. Come back next time, and we'll have some awesome guest here for you to listen to. We'll see you then.